Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 19 Baz fell away from Deliritus in a daze, falling hard onto the rocky ground, yet unable to take his eyes off the fallen torchsire air. This was impossible. He was Deliritus's slave, his chattel, and Deliritus had treated him as a second-rate belonging at that. Owners didn't give up their lives to save their property. Baz didn't want Deliritus giving up his life for Baz's own. Who did Deliritus think he was, putting Baz in his debt like that? Baz didn't know when Rox had hauled himself out of the marsh, but he recognized his presence from the smell, like a rancid farmer's breakfast. Baz turned to him numbly, looking up at the massive man's height as Rox moved beside him. He was dripping wet, and swamp slime hung in strands from every part of his body. Sorry, Rox, Baz muttered. I guess he thought I could save us both with that spell, but that dragon was way too strong. Rox said nothing, brushing past Baz and kneeling before Deliritus to cradle the unmoving man's head on his lap. Deliritus looked like a child in a father's embrace, and Baz felt he should look away, cursing the stinging in his eyes. Rox bent his head over Deliritus, ear over mouth, and frowned, the lines at the edges of his eyes creasing. Then he laid Deliritus back down, bowed his head for several moments, and then he punched Deliritus square in the chest. Baz half raised a hand in protest, but his cry turned to one of relief as Deliritus coughed, then spat a string of curses. Gah! Don't break my chest plate, you big buffoon! Rox just smiled down at Deliritus, propping him up on one of his giant legs. Baz laughed. Deliritus's voice was weak, but there was still enough bite in it to suggest he wasn't about to expire. Young Bastion, I see you're still in one piece. More of a piece than I am, anyway. Think I might have broken my leg again. Baz raised his eyebrows, looking down the length of Deliritus's body. His clothes were more ash now than cloth and the burns Baz could see looked no better than they had when he'd first rolled him over. <laughs> he burst out laughing. Only your leg? Deliritus gave a weak smile back, then winced. That ended his laughter. Well, what do we have with us to treat burns? Baz asked. Deliritus glanced over Baz's shoulder. We had an aloe ointment, but all the medicine was in my saddlebags. Baz looked back to Deliritus's dead horse. The leather bags were cooked worse than Deliritus. Still, he scrambled over to the carcass and tried to rummage through one of the bags. Bloody burning books! He yanked his hand back. The leather was still hot as a furnace. Rox grunted and tossed his belt knife to Baz's feet. Baz took it and lifted the flap to peer inside. A few blobs that might have been glass jars stuck to the insides, along with flaky ash that billowed into Baz's face when he exhaled. A lot of good that spell did, he muttered, letting the flap fall shut. Don't be so down, Bastion, Deliritus said. His words were coming through clenched teeth now. Some of the shock must have been wearing off, his body beginning to fully realize the damage it suffered. Without that spell to steal some of the fire's power, we'd likely both have been vaporized. It's said a dragon's fire is hot as the sun. No one can survive that. At least the rest of my books weren't destroyed. The book pack sat back by the other two horses. The little good all the destructive spells it held were going to do them now. Well, 
Bess sighed, standing up. We've got to do something for you. Rocks? Any ideas? Return to Hamlet, the harbor said without hesitation. They have medicine. No, Deliritus shuddered now at the effort of opening his mouth as it stretched the burns on his neck and the lower parts of his face. Pustules were already forming in several spots, yellow and bloated. We'll never make the deadline if we turn back. The deadline? Baz said. You can't even set a horse in that state, Deliritus. You think you're still going to tome? Baz closed his eyes for a moment, taking a deep breath. No, you let rocks take you back to Hamlet. I'll go on and try to finish the trials like I said I would. The prospect of actually finishing the trials on his own seemed no more appealing now than it had a week prior, when Baz had thought he'd be leaving Deliritus in Hamlet. But now it wasn't just a matter of protecting his secret. He owed it to Deliritus now. Baz wouldn't still be drawing breath if Deliritus hadn't given him that spell and shielded him from the dragon. Deliritus shut his eyes, and for a while Baz thought he'd passed out. But finally he spoke, eyes still closed. Noble of you, young Bastion, but you'll never make it alone. Not with Hellar and Marla to compete with. They'll kill you for sure, or you'll run into another dragon, or some cityless... His voice trailed off, and his eyes slowly opened. That's what we'll do. Find some cityless. They'll have villages on the Weeping Plains. Maybe they'll trade us some medicine. Rox rumbled. I agree with the big man, Bass said. No one living has ever visited a cityless village and survived to speak of it. They're more territorial than worms. They'd kill us for sure if we get within a mile of one of their settlements. I'll offer them books in exchange. They'll kill all of us and take your books, Baz retorted. Scribes above, Bastion. Deliritus's body shuddered, and he let out a cry that made Baz grimace. The torchsire air panted out several long, pained breaths before gathering enough constitution to speak again, though his eyes remained shut. This is not a democracy. We continue on to Tome, and we'll search for some cityless along the way. I will not abandon the trials. Now show a little gratitude and listen for once. Baz's mouth was halfway open to shout back at Deliritus, but the words died in his throat, leaving a taste of ash in his mouth. He wanted to be furious at Deliritus for even suggesting that he be grateful to the man who had robbed him of his brother that Baz knew he owed Deliritus his life only worsened the resentment he felt. But would he have rather died than be in Deliritus's debt? The answer to that question seemed like it should be obvious, but in Baz's mind it was clear as smudged ink. One thing was certain, though. There'd be no arguing with Deliritus. And after everything, Baz wasn't just going to leave him if for no other reason than it would leave Baz alone and defenseless in the middle of the Firelands. Fine, we keep going, Baz said, but we've only two horses. I could be gallant and say I'll walk, but there isn't a speaker's chance of reading that you can get on a horse without screaming yourself to death. Baz scowled down at Deliritus, hoping he'd have some plan. When the only reply he received was a grimace, Baz sighed and looked around. All they had were their two remaining horses, which thankfully had most of their water and food, though even that was beginning to stretch thin. After everything they'd survived, they might die of starvation. Baz kicked the dead horse in frustration, cursing at the pain it sent shooting through his big toe. But with the pain came at least the beginning of an idea. Rocks. Think you can make a sled or something out of the dead horse? Rox stared at the carcass for a time, then nodded. Setting Deliritus's head gently down on the earth, though it felt strange describing anything Rox did as gentle, the big man stood. With a grim smile through the slits of his face mask, he flicked open his razor and started hacking. Baz looked away, stomach burbling worse than it had the night rocks had eaten the worm's head. Two grisly hours later, 
Rox had thoroughly dissected the horse's remains, lashing together several leg bones and much of the rib cage to create a base upon which he set the freshly skinned hide. The whole thing stank worse than Rox had after crawling out of the bog, but it did work. They tied the contraption to Rox's saddle, set the Lyritus atop it, and began moving. Progress was dreadfully slow. Anything faster than a walk jostled Deliritus until he wept in pain, and even crawling along, it was impossible to avoid every bump in the road, each one drawing moans from Deliritus. Rox flinched at each sound, as if he felt every ounce of agony Deliritus experienced. More than once, Baz saw Rox wiping his eyes on the back of an arm. Baz said nothing. He supposed that, in some ways, Rox felt like a big brother to Deliritus. Tax had acted just like that once when Baz had burned himself during lessons, staying by his side while the doctors tended him. Baz remembered staring into his brother's eyes and seeing the tears in them as he'd held Baz's hand tight. By evening, Baz was utterly drained. They'd been moving for probably five hours and barely covered that many miles. There was no pull-off or shelter, so they just camped in the middle of the road. Rox made a fire and cooked a bit of the horse meat he'd saved from his earlier butchering. Baz couldn't even look at it after having seen Rox cut the dead animal to pieces, and Deliritus could barely open his mouth to chew. Rox tried giving him water, but as much of it ended up dribbling down his chin as getting into his mouth. As soon as Rox was finished eating, Baz collapsed to the ground, utterly spent and just praying for sleep to take him away from the torture of the waking world for a few hours. Bastion? murmured Deliritus, just as Baz had been on the brink of sleep. I've read the records from each of the last fifty trials. You know how many readers have failed to return from them? Baz shook his head, then realizing Deliritus probably wasn't looking, said, No idea. Why don't you try to get some rest? In a minute, Deliritus said, voice distant. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven readers have died during the past fifty trials. That means more than one in two trials sees one of us die. Still, I never really considered it a possibility it could happen to me. But I do now. Baz bit his lip, feeling a burning at the back of his eyes that he tried to swallow back. Burnt pages! He hated Deliritus, but he just sounded so... afraid. And yet, here he was, still trying to push toward his goal and make his family proud. Could Baz really continue hating such a man? Such a man who had saved his life? Shut up, Deliritus. I'm going to keep you alive if it kills me. Now get some sleep. Deliritus said nothing further. Whether it was from the pain or just exhaustion, Baz didn't know. But he was surprised to find himself hoping that it was ordinary sleep. Deliritus had suffered enough for him that day. Chapter 20 They continued on, same as they had the day before, which was to say terribly slow. The only change was that Deliritus seemed to be unconscious more often than not, which honestly was a blessing for everyone involved. As they progressed deeper into the Firelands, they saw evidence of Hellar's dragon having passed ahead of them. Still burning sections of swamp and smoldering trees dotted the landscape on both sides of the road. About midday, they reached a pull-off point. It appeared to have once been a circular cobbled plaza, with trees and planters and several lean-tos for shelter. But now it was nothing but a devastation of splinters and felled trees. In amongst the ruin was the mauled corpse of a dragon no larger than an adult mastiff. Apparently, dragons had no qualms about eating their own. Not even rocks dwelled too long on that grisly scene. And if we're lucky, Hellar lost control of the dragon and it ate him too, Baz muttered. Rox rumbled. 
Yeah, I doubt it too. But they're going to have to let it go at some point. A beast that size would need to be kept under near-constant influence. Trunnell will lose his voice at some point, or need sleep, and the spells around Tome itself that keep dragons out supposedly still hold. Even before the burning, no one wanted fire anyone near their books. Truth, Rox said. Little good that truth did them, though. They might not have to face the dragon again, but at their current pace, they were more likely to run into Hellar on his return journey from Tome before they reached it themselves. And who knew about Marla? She was still out there, somewhere, and there was nothing to say that she wouldn't return by way of the Firelands. Rocks, Baz said as they plodded away from the ruined rest stop. Deliritus was unconscious, only the occasional moan escaping his lips. They'd tried to make him as comfortable as they could, but without any medicine, comfort was limited to little more than giving him some water and a spare jacket to rest his head on. The burns looked worse than they had the day before, and if they weren't infected yet, they soon would be. Deliritus's breathing also sounded worse, often coming in pained wheezes. The harbor looked to Baz, who glanced over to Deliritus before looking back. Uh, I know it's not really my place to talk to you about Deliritus's well-being, Baz said, but this isn't working. We might not get another ten miles. Rox turned back to watch the road ahead of them, though he continued to look at Baz from the corner of his eye. The silence stretched so long that Baz thought the harbor was just ignoring him, but finally he spoke. This is something for which every enigman prepares, dying for an oath. It is a great truth, giving your life for a promise. I am ready. Baz looked up to the heavens, telling himself that yelling at a man three times his size would not be good for his health. There's no truth in pursuing a hopeless path, Rocks. Scribes, I'm not saying abandon Deliritus, but we have to do something other than this. He waved a hand at the sled that carried Deliritus. Do you have an idea better than this? What? A plan, boomed Rocks. Baz scowled. Well, no, but anything has to be better than this. Rocks growled, and Baz angled his horse slightly away from him. You are usually true, Bastion, but that is a lie. We could do worse. We could give up. I will not. If you have no better idea, then we continue as Little Dell says. I am no surgeon. I cannot heal him, but I can carry him to someone who may be able to help. That is what I'll do. Baz considered saying more, but instead let his mouth settle into a thin line and looked back to the road. There'd be no getting through to the man. They rode on in silence for maybe a half mile, which took them almost fifteen minutes to cover. Rox had to dismount twice to adjust the hide he'd stretched across the bone frame to support Deliritus. Several minutes after the second stop, Rox turned back to Baz. You do not need to come with us. Baz couldn't think of a more appropriate reaction, so he laughed. That offer doesn't seem consistent with your dogma, Rox. Didn't you say the other day that I'd sworn an oath as well, to complete the trials for Deliritus? I said no such thing. You heard what you wished, and perhaps, Rox said, eyes crinkling at the edges enough to suggest he was smiling beneath his mask, what I wished you to hear. Baz mulled that over. He supposed that the harbor was right. Rox hadn't expressly said he'd sworn an oath, just sort of, well, spoken a few generalities and implied the rest with a stare. Deliritus needed your help, and most things that help Deliritus help my oath. So I permitted you to think the words meant something more than they did. But now... His basso voice trailed off for a moment. Now, you may be right. It's a hopeless path. But you are still wrong. There is truth even in the face of inevitable failure for one who seeks to keep a promise. I will seek that truth. 
But you, Bastion, you must be free to swear an oath. This time, giant or no, Baz couldn't entirely keep the heat out of his words. I might be a slave, Rox, but I can keep my word as well as any reader. No, Rox said. Once more you misunderstand. Even a slave may keep a promise, but a slave's oath to a master holds no truth. There is no choice. What else is a slave to do? They could die, Baz snapped back. Rather than become annoyed, however, Rox's eyes grew pensive. Hmm. You could have been an enigmon, I think. That is one of our great paradoxes. A man is always free to choose death. Pull a room of a hundred enigmons, and half will say that's a true choice, the other it is no choice at all. I choose to think it no choice. Baz had never heard rocks string together so many words. The depth of the harbor's voice rattled Baz's skull, but it also moved something deeper. Baz's hands clenched around his reins. What if it isn't your own death that's coercing you, but the loss of another? I'd never see tax again if I ran. Hmm, difficult questions. Always difficult when others are involved. But I would not hold one to an oath sworn under such duress. If you choose to leave us, I would not call you a liar. I see the truth of things. Deliritus is better than some, perhaps most, but he still oppresses you, and you have no reason to care for him. Knowing your own lot is one thing, but hearing another put it so plainly is an entirely different shelf of books. Baz looked down at the pommel of his saddle, picking at a crack in the leather. Rox was right, wasn't he? Baz owed Deliritus nothing. He'd taken tax away, then treated Baz like a forgotten possession. Not just property, but unwanted property. Then he'd taken Baz on this fool trip, one for which Deliritus was woefully unprepared and nearly gotten Baz killed. He ought to be galloping away from this heap of burning pages as fast as his horse would go. Rox and Deliritus were certain to die out here in the Firelands. Why join them? The Duke might even accept a reasonable explanation of Deliritus's fate and let Baz remain in the library. Or perhaps he could just head for the Dragon's Maw and travel beyond the land of oration entirely. Just disappear. He might never see Tax again, but would his brother really blame him? Baz was beginning to wonder if the harbor would really let him just turn around and leave, or if he'd find the big man's razor at his throat at the first sign of flight, when Rox gave a surprised grunt, drawing Baz's eyes back to the road. The way forward was blocked. Another rock formation was off to one side of the road. It wasn't nearly as large as Torchsire Roost, but still tall enough to cast a long shadow in the early afternoon. Until quite recently, it appeared to have been even taller, but now a good portion of it was strewn about the road in great chunks, as if one of the dark ones had struck it, or the whipping tail of a dragon. Just more of Hellar's leavings, Baz said, surveying the scene for a path around the rubble. They'd have to carry Deliritus. No way the sled could get over the debris. Maybe Baz could make a break for it when Rox dismounted to pick up Deliritus. A pile of rocks straight ahead of them shifted, followed by a sound like murmured words, words that sounded like bright light erupted from the spot, temporarily blinding Baz and sending his horse rearing up on its hind legs. Baz groped forward, and it was pure luck that one hand found a rein before he was thrown to the ground. His vision returned slowly, blurry afterimages floating across his line of sight. What was that? he said, not really expecting a reply. Interesting, Rox murmured. Interesting, Baz demanded. I know you've a lack of respect for others' eyes, but I'd like to keep mine. Rox furrowed his brow at the comment, but didn't reply. Instead, he reached behind himself to release Deliritus's sled from his saddle, 
then urged his horse forward toward the spot where the light had emanated. I'm not sure that's a good idea, Rox. The harbor ignored Baz, continuing forward. When he was just a few feet from the large rock behind which the light had come, he dismounted and proceeded on foot. He left his razor hanging from his saddle crown. Strange, the man never went anywhere without that weapon. Rox peered around the boulder. For a moment, nothing happened. Then there was a screech like a thousand owls all taking flight at once. Baz's horse nearly threw him again, and another explosion of light burst from behind the rock. Baz was blinded once more, and this time it took longer for his vision to clear. And when it finally did, he wished it hadn't, for there was a creature looming over rocks. It was another dragon. Alright, welcome back everyone to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is Saturday, April 23rd, 2022, as I record this, uh, and this is episode 15 of the podcast. Uh, with, with release week uh, behind us, or at least behind me, it was uh, back to writing uh, and making some good progress on part four of the Spoken Books Uprising, uh, titled to be and announced sometime here in the uh, in the coming weeks. I'm sure we'll have a little blurb about that in the newsletter before long. Uh, my first draft of that broke 50,000 words this week, and I think I'm on track to have that finished before May 20th, which is my current goal. Uh, because on May 21st, I am flying to Europe for two weeks and do not plan to be doing very much work there. So I want to have the first draft in the books by then. Uh, going to Ireland, uh, Paris, and Brussels. It's going to be a good time. Obviously, with the pandemic here, haven't been able to do a ton of traveling, so getting a whole bunch in here all at once. Uh, I'll have lots of photos, I'm sure, to share with all of you uh, upon my return. Hopefully, uh, some uh, nice old architecture that might some might inspire some uh, some fantasy uh, fantasy dreams for you, or if you're a writer out there, maybe give you some inspiration for some of your own work. Um, probably another good reason for y'all to subscribe to my newsletter, GC Y'all. I guess I, uh, I've moved to the south here, apparently. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, good reason to subscribe to my newsletter, because uh, a lot of the photos, I'm sure, will make their way into there. Um, and hopefully I will gain some inspiration for my own future work as well on the trip. Um, last time I went to Europe, I certainly gained some, so I plan to get more here. Uh, let's see, what else do I have going on? Um, got my half marathon come up here in a couple weeks. I've mentioned that a few times on the show. I actually just got back from an 11-mile run <laughs> before recording today, so my legs are barking a bit. Uh, so if, uh, if those of you watching on YouTube see me fidgeting around more than usual, which might be hard for you to tell because I think I fidget around a lot, <laughs> but if you see that, you know why. My legs are, uh, legs are hurting just a little. Okay, so let's move on to our analysis here this week, starting off with chapter 19. Who did Deliritus think he was? <laughs> Uh, we start off just as we left off last week with Baz in shock over Deliritus sacrificing himself to save uh, save him. Uh, Baz, is, uh, Baz is actually kind of angry about this, right? Uh, indignant. Who did Deliritus think he was putting Baz in his debt like that? Uh, but, but why? Why do we think Baz feels like this? Uh, could it be he sees that Deliritus is actually uh, the better man than him, uh, even though Baz is spent his whole life thinking Deliritus is a terrible person. Uh, you know, Deliritus has been willing to change, whereas Baz hasn't, uh, hasn't really, even if Baz has been changing, he hasn't been willing to admit to himself that he's changing thus far. Uh, that's certainly a tough way to learn this lesson that, uh, you know, you can't hold grudges <laughs> forever, at least Deliritus apparently. Um, is not. He is not the terrible man that Baz thought him to be. 
then, of course, Rox shows up, having pulled himself out of the bog, and we get some interesting contrast here. Uh, first with Rox cradling the Lyritus like a child. You know, once again, we see how much Rox uh, seems to care for Deliritus, despite the fact that Rox is essentially another one of Deliritus's slaves. Um, but that gentle moment quickly passes as uh, Rox uh, <laughs> punches Deliritus right in the chest, right? Um, but um, well-meaning, well-meaning punch, right? Because it, uh, you know, it jump-starts Deliritus' system. Apparently, he starts starts coughing and cursing at Rox. So he Deliritus is uh, he is not dead, though he is certainly severely injured here and uh you know they have a good laugh for a moment when Deliritus curses at first when Rox punches him but you know quickly we realize how seriously injured he is and all the medicine was in his saddlebags which were cooked um by the dragon so they don't really have any way to treat Deliritus's injuries here either remember too <clears throat> Deliritus all along had been planning on bringing his creator speaker with him so he wasn't necessarily expecting to have to treat a lot of injuries on his own out here in the wilds so this is kind of a worst case <coughs> scenario for him now um, though even in his dire state he is not willing to give up on his dream right uh, even more growth here for Deliritus you know just 10 chapters ago he was wanting to turn back to erstwhile with his broken leg now he's you know He's probably suffered, suffered mortal burns here, right? He, uh, unless he gets some help here quick, he's going to die. But uh, he still insists. They press on. Um, interesting. Baz, you know, Baz sees that this is... Uh, you know, he sees the writing on the wall here. Uh, it's not going to be possible for Deliritus to finish the trials. And uh, interesting, he actually offers to just finish them for Deliritus while Rox brings Deliritus back to Hamlet for treatment. He owed it to Deliritus now, uh, Baz tells us. Now, it continues to be unclear whether Baz has actually truly changed, um, or if he's making this offer solely out of obligation. Um, you know, he's certainly having this internal battle with himself over, uh, you know, his, <clears throat> his lifelong, uh, hate for Deliritus, but seeing, uh, what kind of man Deliritus is when, you know, kind of all the cards are down on the table just read a quick little excerpt here that i think really exemplifies what baz is going through he wanted to be furious at deliritus for even suggesting that he be grateful to the man who had robbed him of his brother that baz knew he owed deliritus his life only worsened the resentment he felt but would he have rather died than be in deliritus's debt the answer to that question seemed like it should be obvious, but in Baz's mind, it was clear as smudged ink. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, even though Baz is uh, offering to do this uh, this task for Deliritus, yeah, I'll go to I'll go to Tom myself and finish it. You know, Deliritus is not accepting that offer. Uh, instead, he has suggested that they go find some of the cityless who live on the outskirts of the ruins of Tome, hope that those cityless will help them, though Baz points out that it's just as likely that they will murder all of them and just rob Deliritus of the spoken books that he has. The cityless certainly have uh, no reason to like <clears throat> like a reader or help him, <laughs> which it seems Deliritus probably knows, but you know, what else, what else can he do, right, uh, in this situation? They're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, probably even too far from Hamlet to get back there at this point, so um, all they can really do here is, is push on and, and pray that maybe, maybe some help will come along. Um, but exactly, so how are they going to get the Leertus there? They're down a horse, um, and he is certainly not riding, right? And, you know, uh, waste is a lie, or waste is a lie. That's, this would be a, a rocks line here. Um you know, leave it to Rox here too, right, to come up with a plan to to get Deliritus what he wants. He, he hacks up the dead horse with his razor and kind of turns it into a sled that they can put Deliritus on. Uh, certainly not a pleasant scene here. You know those horse bones can't be that clean. <laughs> Even with all the uh, hacking away that Rox did, you know, I'm sure there's stuff still hanging off of him. And, you know, Deliritus is here all burned and blistered, oozing sores, you know, especially around his 
neck and face, apparently, from the burns. Uh, the whole thing stank worse than rocks had after crawling out of the bog, you know. Just, uh, just dragging the burned Deliritus along here on this, uh, you know, this freshly butchered horse sled. <laughs> not a... Uh, not not a great uh, not a great picture here. It just shows how desperate they are at this point, um, you know. And it's not particularly comfortable either, right? Deliritus whimpers over every bump, and Rox is actually kind of despondent here over Deliritus's pain. We see him wipe his arm uh, across his eyes several times, and uh, you know, Bass puts together that Rox must feel kind of like a big brother for Deliritus. Uh, interesting that maybe Baz is coming around to rocks here more than he is to Deliritus. Not not really sure why that is, but Baz seems to be a lot more sympathetic to rocks than he is to Deliritus. Uh, even though rocks is actually the one who tore out Tax's eyes, right? But um, you know, interesting. He even recalls here in this scene where they're dragging Deliritus about this one time where Baz was sick and uh, you know he he looked into his brother's eyes and saw the caring in Tax's eyes and kind of interesting you know he thinks about his brother's eyes without you know connecting that loss of those eyes back to tat back to rocks um in this scene so again uh you know these relationships are in a constant state of flux it would seem uh 27 so the chapter chapter 19 here ends with a quick little conversation between deliritus and baz uh 27 that's how many readers have died on the trials in the past 50 years, so just a little more than one reader every other trials. Uh, and it seems Deliritus is now preparing to be number 28. What does he say to Baz here? I never really considered it a possibility could happen to me, but I do now. You know, even and even Baz can't remain dispassionate in the face of, of that admission, right? You know, his, his, eyes are, his eyes are burning. He's getting a little emotional over, you know, Deliritus. You know, can he really continue to hate this uh, hate this guy? You know, he's just afraid, like any other person in this situation would be. Yet, Deliritus is also being pretty brave here, right? Still pushing toward what now seems an impossible goal. Uh, and Baz is actually glad when Deliritus is passed out because at least he's spared the agony that he has suffered on Baz's account for at least a little while. So certainly, by the end of the chapter here, we see Know, Baz having at least a little more sympathy toward Deliritus, if you know, even if he hasn't totally changed his view of of the Torchsire error <coughs> yet. Um, all right, so let's move on to our discussion of chapter twenty. And now, my friends, I invite you to remove your reading glasses, put on your cardigans, and join me for this week's installment of D.T. Kane's epic Philosophy Book Club. All right. And for those of you not watching on the YouTube, that pause was so I could put on my uh, philosophy cardigan here. I wish I had like a pipe I could smoke while we're talking here too, but the cardigan will have to do. Maybe I'll put on my thinking cap here. There we go. All right. <clears throat> All right. Let's talk about chapter 20. I will carry him. Right. Um, so Rox and Baz carry on, dragging poor Deliritus along. Baz is trying to convince Rox that this is not working. But Baz, or excuse me, but Rox is, uh, is not having it. It is a great truth, giving your life for a promise. I am ready. And of course, Baz counters, there's no truth in pursuing a hopeless path. Anything has to be better than this. Which gets Rox kind of, uh, kind of perturbed here. We could do worse. We could give up. I will not. I am no surgeon. I cannot heal him but I can carry him to someone who may be able to help. So, uh, who do we think has the winning side uh, of this debate here? You know, is dying for a promise uh, a noble a noble deed? Or, you know, I guess forget noble, is it the right thing to do? 
Uh, I think most of us can agree with the premise that keeping promises is a good thing, I suppose. I'm not sure that's too controversial of a point. Uh, but then again, uh, you know, to what point does that premise hold? Um, if it will hurt someone to keep a promise, should you still keep it? Uh, what if it will hurt yourself? Um, it's tough to give exact answers to such general questions without having kind of specific facts to apply to them. But, uh, you know, but here you've promised to keep someone safe and now they're at the brink of death with seemingly no way out. Uh, is sacrificing yourself worth it? That's really what it's coming down to here in our specific situation with Baz, Rox, and Deliritus. Well, I will say I'm very thankful that I've never personally been in such a situation, so uh, I can't definitively say what I would do here, but, uh, but I do think the key thing here is, is uh, hope, the idea of hope. I think if there was a 100% chance that Deliritus wasn't going to make it, Rocks and you know maybe most people in a similar situation wouldn't sacrifice themselves as well, but the thing is almost nothing is ever a hundred percent certain. It's, you know some crazy thing could happen, you know other than uh, you know other than death and taxes, right? And uh, maybe Chuck Norris. <laughs> other than that, nothing's a hundred percent certain. Um, you know there's always some chance, some chance of a miracle coming along, and the thing is. When you care deeply enough about a promise, even the smallest sliver of hope is worth keeping it. Um, at least that's that's my theory here, and it seems to be Rox's as well. Baz is perhaps more of a realist. He is not willing to uh, hold out for that 1% chance or that tenth of 1% chance. Um, though I would love to uh, sit down in an interview and ask Baz what he'd do if Tax was on that sled instead of Deliritus. Um, you wonder if he would be saying quite the same thing that he's saying to Rox here right now. And who knows, maybe I will ask him that question in another book. You'll just have to keep listening um, and see what happens with that. <clears throat> but uh, uh, freedom to choose. So we, get, we run into another kind of uh, philosophical question here as Baz and Tax, or uh, Baz and Rox, Toil onward here, dragging Deliritus along. Um, you know, even though Rox is insisting on going on, uh, he understands that Baz, uh, you know, needn't bind himself to Rox's Rox's oath. You know, he offers. Um, you know, he says, "Baz, you know, Baz, you don't, you don't need to come along," or something like that. Uh, you know, Baz gets angry at first since, uh, remember, Rox insinuated the other the other night that, you know, Baz had sworn an oath to Deliritus, but now he's suggesting that Baz break it after just <laughs> having lectured him on the virtue of sticking to oaths. But Rox explains that he doesn't really believe Baz swore an oath because you must be free to swear an oath. Uh, you know, again... Baz initially takes offense at that, thinking Rox is saying speakers can't keep promises. But Rox me, but Rox, but what Rox, right? But what Rox means is a slave can't be bound to an oath given to his master because there is no free choice there. Um, which I'm not sure that's too controversial of a premise, uh, though Baz, of course, counters because Baz can. You know, Baz always has to have something to say, right? You know, they they could die. They could choose to die. They can always do that, Rox. Which, uh, you know, Rox says that's a paradox, right? When even enigmas like him apparently can't solve. Um, it's true. A man can always choose death. But is an oath sworn where the only alternative is death? You know, the proverbial gun held to the head. Is that a true promise? Uh, you know, Rox doesn't think so. And, uh, you know... I wonder how many of you out there uh, think think that maybe is, that is still a promise, even under duress like that. Um, if you'd like to participate in the philosophical discussion here, <laughs> feel free to shoot me an email. Maybe I'll uh, share some other viewpoints on this question in the future here. Um, but this does this is kind of a, a at least it's a companion question to the one we just <clears throat> discussed about keeping promises in the face of near impossibility. 
uh, you know, is, is your own personal truth worth dying for? Maybe another way to state this question. I guess kind of, probably depends on what you're being asked to do. I suppose we can assume that if someone's holding a gun to your head, it's probably something you would never consent to otherwise, right? Then guns aren't really necessary uh, otherwise. You know, maybe that answers the question right there. You know, I mean, there's a reason, you know, duress is a defense to most crimes, right? You know, if someone forces you to do something illegal um, against your will, <laughs> you know, usually you're not going to be found uh, guilty of that crime. Though I guess the the harder question is whether it's actually the right choice to choose death instead of carrying out the coerced promise. You know, you should, you shoot her or I'll shoot you. You know, what's the right choice there? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I am not a philosopher. I guess I'm an armchair philosopher over here, but I've never really studied philosophy in any great detail. You know, I'd like to think that I would take the bullet, but man... <laughs> I get nervous just thinking about that <clears throat> hypothetical. I don't know. It's a tough one. Of course, then Baz goes and modifies the facts a little here for us to consider. You know, what if it isn't your death that's coercing you, but the loss of another? I would never see tax again if I ran. Uh, you know, to me, this is almost an easier question. Uh, if the life of someone I care about is being threatened, there's probably little I wouldn't be willing to do to prevent it from happening. But again, it's still, we are still just talking about tough, tough choices here. You know, even Rox, who has proved to be our surprising moral compass on his journey to this point, doesn't have an answer. Uh, though he does admit he sees the injustice of Baz's situation, which is an interesting admission here. You know, Deliritus is better than most, Rox says, but now he is still oppressing Baz. Rox sees that. Uh, you know, maybe just again showing, you know, how he is the best out of this trio here. You know, he cares for Deliritus, despite knowing how deeply flawed Deliritus is in the sleep system that he lives in. Though I guess you could say the fact that Rox is tacitly supporting that system by supporting Deliritus is a knock um, against him. Though, remember, Rox is a slave too, so what is he going to do except follow his follow his oath? Um, and he also, again, you know, Rox has his code. He's got... He's really, he's living by his own code. He's he uh, you know he has sworn this oath to Deliritus, and um, you know he'll do whatever he has to do to keep Deliritus safe. Um, okay, you can all take your cardigans off now. Uh, end of the philosophy discussion here. Uh, Baz and Rocks continue onward after that rousing debate, and they come to a blockage in the road. Uh, you know, a bunch of bunch of rocks strewn about. Looks like maybe that dragon Hellar um, has uh, put under mind control and knocked over a big rock formation, knocked a bunch of debris into the road. You know, so rocks dismounts to see what's going on, and then there's a bright flash of light. And when Baz's vision clears, what does he see but another dragon? Dun dun dun. <laughs> And that's where we end for this week. Baz and Rox and company once again in trouble, and we'll have to tune in next week to see what happens to them. So next time we will read chapters 21 and 22 and see what happens with this new dragon. Of course, Baz's last encounter with a dragon ended poorly just a couple chapters ago, but we'll see there's something a bit different about this dragon. Uh, I think it'll become obvious pretty quickly. Um, so you'll read about our new dragon here, and then Baz makes a surprising deal. What's that about? And then lots of words get repeated. Repeated. What's going on with that? Tune in next week to find out. Um, right. This week's quest, uh, what is the name of the dragon we met in the prologue? What is the name of the dragon we met in the prologue? One experience point. Um, send those answers in to dtkane at dtkane.com. All right, and then our quote, which we always end with. This one comes from Peter S. Beagle, uh, who is uh, the author of The Last Unicorn, kind of very a very famous uh, fantasy book here. I'm actually currently reading it uh, for the first time, and this quote is from The Last Unicorn. 
We are not always what we seem, and hardly ever what we dream. Um, and I wrote a nice little blurb about this in the newsletter this week, and I'm just going to read it out loud again to you here. Uh, like unicorns, people are complex creatures. First impressions might be important, but they rarely give us the full story of a person or what's truly inside of them. People have many hopes and dreams, and the sad reality is that many go through life never realizing them, or even attempting to realize them, instead opting for the comfort of the average and the mundane. Remember that, the next time a stranger is rude to you, likely has nothing to do with you and everything about what's going on in that stranger's own life. Instead, focus on what you can control, namely putting yourself in position to achieve your dreams. If you do, you'll be the rare unicorn in a sea of missed opportunities. All right, hope you liked that quote and my little interpretation of it there. And we'll call it We'll call it an episode, and I will see all of you next week. So until next time, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. This is chapter uh, 19-2. I just read chapter 19-1 perfectly in a single take. Take note, podcast world. Thank you very much. Oh, I messed up my exit. I'm going to have to read that last paragraph again. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author. Or send DT Kane an email at DT Kane at DT Kane.com. See you next week.